Hello everyone. Welcome to the Maritime Law Club Lasso Discussion Podcast. Brace yourself to be enlightened on the recent happenings in the maritime world. Okay, so today's topic will be addressing the issues of insecurity in Nigeria through the lens of the maritime sector. And we'll have Toby and our president, Mr. Ibrahim, discussing on today's topic. So, round of applause for Toby. Toby, number take the stage. Security, and we all know what. Okay. Okay. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Adioluato Bloba, and I'm addressing insecurity in Nigeria. The review of insecurity in Nigeria. We all know insecurity is a like major problem and challenge we are facing in Nigeria's EO, and we all are we like we all have a particular definition of what insecurity is. Can someone define it? Yes. Define insecurity. Insecurity is like, um, as, the okay. name, as the name implies, la- insecurity as the name implies could mean lack of security in, 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 uh, in an environment or a community. With low, low level of security in the community environment. Does anybody else have something to say about insecurity? Insecurity is like a state of unrest. People are scared of their lives, like a state of unrest in an environment. Conflicts. Um, insecurity has been defined by different people and different institutions. Sorry. The UNDP 1994 sees human security to include chronic threats like hunger, disease, and repression, the state of fear or um or anxiety stemming from a concrete or alleged lack of protection or inadequate freedom from danger. And Belland, 2005, also says, insecurity is a state of being subject to danger, exposed to risk or anxiety. A person is said to be secure when not being exposed, to be not insecure, sorry, to be insecured when not being exposed to any, when being exposed to form of danger or risk of physical or moral aggression. And for the purpose of this discussion, we see that insecurity is seen as a chronic threat to human life, territories, states, religious beliefs, properties, and institutions, among others. Several studies have shown that insecurity hinders growth and development of a nation as it affects the it affects Nigerians' efforts on na- um, national economic development, like the oil and gas sector in the southern part, where um, the um, sorry, 
where rangers are disrupting the importation of oil and gas. And we, we all know that oil and gas is like the major, um, I like what it is, income, the major source of income, yeah, in Nigeria. And in case of tomato from the northern part, we also know men they go about destroying goods and everything. And tomatoes, we import tomatoes within, there is no outside, it's within the distance, but there's still profit in it. So insecurity hinders the growth of the economy, it hinders a lot of things. And it can include rape, and um, like the, the, it's this, um, we, we are not really sure if it's really the rape is true. This Baba Jesha and we are all hearing the news. Yeah. And um, this um, problem that occurred at Yenoba, where Northerners and I think Yoruba touts or something, it also led to insecurity. Um, that's what insecurity is about generally. And the crisis in the Niger Delta region, which started in 1990, arise from the activities of different militant groups, has brought negative implications on economic development in Nigeria. This militant group, this militant group includes the movement of the survival of Ogunu people, youth congress, movement for the emancipation of Niger Delta, the Niger Delta Vigilante Force, the Niger Delta People's Volunteer Force, and others. This militant group carried out deadly and other badly injured activities, like raping, assassination, kidnapping, and so on. So from this, I think we all understand what insecurity is all about and what it entails. I think I'm done. Thank you. Okay, now we'll be having our president, Mr. Ibrahim, and if I need to round up on the topic and tell us about the insecurity in the Nigerian So, um, good afternoon, everyone. So, I'll be talking on the relationship of the... I'll be talking on... I'll be talking on the, uh, the, the relationship of the maritime industry concerning the issues of insecurity in Nigeria, and I'll be making recommendations on how the maritime industry can help in solving the problem of insecurity in Nigeria. Um, to start with, <clears throat> we, should, um, we should look at what um, insecurity in itself, what it entails. According to our first speaker, she said it is a state of fear. Like, what puts people in a state of fear? It is when they see that you have something that could cause harm or injury to them. And all of these things, they boil down to what? To uh, weapons, sort of, or things you could use for the purpose of combat. So if you look at this whole thing, it shows that there's proliferation of weapon in the country. And let us look at the nature of the maritime industry. The sea is regarded as, as an isolated place, as a gray area, Some, like a, a place whereby uh, 
like every government, like governments of countries don't really, don't really have, like don't really have um, grasp of what is going on there. That is the nature of the sea generally. So because of this nature of the sea, it has been exploited over the ages because since governments of countries don't have firm grasp on what is happening there, criminals, they exploit these gray areas to perpetrate various criminal activities. E.g., various types of crime happens on the sea, for example, kidnapping. For another example is piracy. Another example is importation of light weapons. Another example is importation or exportation of narcotic drugs and other substances. Name it, different, different types of criminal activities they happen on the sea. So because of this, you will discover that through the sea, through the sea, various forms of weapons are being imported into the country. When there's proliferation of weapons in the country, you will now discover that we will now go into our early grievances. Now, what are the grievances that Nigerians are, are, are dealing with or battling with? Uh, there are issues of uh, economic marginalization. There are issues of uh, social insecurity, etc. What are the causes of issues of economic marginalization? You will discover that the mainstay of the Nigeria's economy is the crude oil. Where is the crude oil? Where can we find the crude oil? 80% of the crude oil are located or can be found underneath the seabed. Where, where, where are the, these seabeds? Which communities can we locate them? We will discover that most of these seabeds that we, have, we can, that we are, that we can most of these seabeds that we can locate our resources or our crude oil, they are where? In the southern part of Nigeria, majorly the Niger Delta region. So if you are extracting crude oil from my region, which is what? The domain of maritime. You are extracting crude oil from my region, and my region is not benefiting anything from it. Because of this thing, some people will now organize themselves into what? Into uh, militias. And they become what? They start hijacking ships. To what? In order to get back to the government that is marginalizing them. That is what? That is piracy. Because of this again, they will form alliances with people in all other parts, in all other countries. For instance, countries that share uh, boundaries with uh, our territorial waters. E.g., uh, we have the Gulf of Guinea, the Bight of Benin. All of these other countries, they share international affiliations with them in order to what? To wreak havoc on our own country. All because of the issues of what? Economic marginalization. Now, how has the government responded to all of this? Mostly, you will discover that when there are issues between the locals and most 
of uh, um, most of the IOCs, that's the international oil companies that are involved in the exploration of the crude oil. The government will side with the IOC to the detriment of the locals. So how would the locals respond? They take up arms. Where are they getting the arms from? They are getting it from their stooges elsewhere, from their international networks in other countries. They are supplying it to them. And when these weapons, when they get into the country and they get proliferated, what happens? It gets into the hands of people that, that have no genuine causes and then they get to the highway and what happens? They start robbing. What happens? They start kidnapping. Because when they have weapons at their disposal, they can kidnap and demand for ransom. So when they, when they have weapons at their disposal, we have the issues of, um, um, we talked about the Niger Delta, that there's proliferation of weapons from their side. Now, you, would, you, are, you, should, you, um, um, you should be aware that most of the oil blocks that are indigenous in the Niger Delta region are being owned by northerners. Now, when they start to damage all these oil blocks, the northerners would do what? They also want to respond to the agitations of, um, of the Niger Delta people via e.g. the Masob, the, all, all the other names that they bear. So what are their ways of responding? Their ways of responding is to put the country in chaos. So how are they doing that? By venturing into what? Kidnapping. By venturing into what we uh, have as a headsman uh, crisis. By venturing into what we have as a Boko Haram. Call it any name. Their mission is to what? To put the country on our toes. To ensure that the, the government is listening to their voice. That they are not happy with what is happening to their leaders or, so to say, their representatives in all other parts of the country. You will see that in this situation, there are conflicting interests here and there. And the conflicting interest is, it boils down to what? It boils down to the economy of Nigeria. Because once there are conflicting interests, Masob is fighting for emancipation of the Niger Delta that they are getting crude oil from their side, that they should enjoy it. Because of that, they are forming alliances with other people in other countries and bringing in light weapons into the country. The light weapon gets proliferated. It gets into the hands of armed robbers. It gets into the hands of armed robbers. And don't forget that these massive people, they must have destroyed um, um, the oil blocks, the indigenous oil blocks, which are owned by mostly northerners. And the northerners want to respond then you see northern politicians funding all these various groups. And then again, what do they do? They start forming alliances with people in other countries and through the sea as well, because according to what we said, the sea is a gray area that most governments in all countries in the world, they usually do not have a grasp of what is going on on their, on their territorial waters. Do you understand? So it is easier to carry out criminal activities on the sea than in the air. Do you get? So by the time they start funding them, you see them bringing in light weapons. 
Where are Boko Haram getting weapons from? X-Men, where are they getting weapons from? You are aware that those weapons were imported into the country. And they came in through where? Through the sea. And are you telling us now that uh, the Nigerian government does not know that weapons are entering through the sea? The Nigerian government, as a matter of fact, there's a report that says that the Nigerian territorial waters is the most porous water, uh, territorial waters in the world in terms of criminal activities. Now, when these weapons get into the mainland, it gets into the hands of all these various groups. What happens to the ordinary citizen? They kidnap them for ransom. They, tell you, they kidnap them. And you can see that that is playing out in the country as we speak. Um, we heard of the case of the Greenland University children, uh, uh, students. Some of them were killed because they could not pay ransom. And people that could pay ransom, they were released. So as it stands now, kidnapping is what? It's a business. As it stands now, um, um, issue of X-Men, this, that, it's a business. Because, and it is affecting the economy of the country. Ask me how. If, um, 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 ideally, the country is into agriculture. So if a farmer goes to farm, and plant something, this, that, to sell. And an men uh, somebody brings his cattle or his cows into the farm and they eat all the crops. What happens, somebody has invested millions into that farm and in one night or one day, the whole thing vanished because of the activities of uh, the Fulani people, men. Number one, it will create chaos because they, uh, uh, they will start fighting and people will lose their lives. Apart from that, the economic effect on the ordinary people that did not see or that did not witness the, uh, I would say the, uh, uh, the farmer and the elders uh, issue, there will be inflation in the country or there will be scarcity of resources. Because if you're supposed to buy maybe watermelon before, maybe you could buy watermelon for 20 naira because it's in abundance. But now you now discover that there are fewer watermelons to sell. So because the watermelon is few now, they will now inflate the price. Do you understand? So it means it will now be that it is people that have money or people that are willing to pay the high prices that will be able to afford those kind of uh, goods. So what happens to the ordinary citizen that could not afford it? So it means that the country gets worse by the day if these problems are not being addressed. Now, how do we address it? Okay. Okay. So, from what you've said so far, and based on insecurity, from what you said so far, and the issue of insecurity in the, mari- in the maritime sector, I would like to put it to. Okay, I like. I want to cut it bit by bit. Okay, in respect to like leakage of oil into the waters, we have many of these oil-producing states in our country. 
Nigeria. We have many oil-putting states have polluted waters. Like most of their water is polluted. The only of them don't even have wells because they can't fetch clean water from the wells. They have to probably NNPC brings water for them, things like that. So they are deprived of clean water in their own environment. There is this one of the issues that have affect people that make them want to react. And when they're speaking to the government, the government have not have not given them a feedback or not done any positive thing towards protecting them because when they affect their waters, they affect their health too. Their health is insecure. So it also boils down to this insecurity. When it affects people's water, people cannot people is most of the people that have that be able to buy water from NNPC or be able to buy clean water, people that have money. What about those that don't have money? What about those that will not easily access that water that live in the rural areas areas? Is this, is this set of people that form alliances, that form groups to attack those people that have investments in those places? This is what boils down to investors. What's the effect on this, on this insecurity in the maritime sector? It affects investment that come into the, into the country. What areas do investors like putting their investments in? Mostly in our energy sector. Because that one aspect of Nigeria that is, that is, that is really, really revenue generating. So most investors like investing in the energy sector. But if that energy sector itself is insecure, one common thing investors look at when they want to invest in a country, they look at the investments. They, they, they look at the level of security in that particular state. They look at the, the state's method of resolving dispute, issue of, issue of security. They're one of the paramount things that investors look into. So if the state is not secured, how do we attract investors into the state? Because this, the investors have to think of the fact that if they're coming into the state to put their investment, what's the guarantee that their investment is safe? You get what's the guarantee that that investment is safe? Because many nationals, like we know, of, like in different oil producing states, that many nationals have affected, have spoiled, destroyed the investment of many foreigners. And this is because of the insecurity. Either driven either by, by the fact that they're not really getting a good percentage or the percentage that was allocated to them did not get to them, like in from the profit of that particular investment, or the thing is destroying their waters, their farms. So either their marine sector or their maritime sector is already destroyed or is already affected. These are the things that cause this insecurity. And at the long run, it also affects our investment, thereby, thereby affecting revenue generation in Nigeria. So we have to look into that because if we want to attract investors at the country, if we want to attract investors at the country, we have to look into the pollution of our marine environment. Thank you. So what are the... How can the government address this uh, issue of insecurity? The number one thing that we look at is poverty. You would understand, you would agree with me that um, Africa, like Africans generally, we are regarded as like the poorest in the world. And you know that when you are poor, you cannot negotiate terms with a rich person. All these IOCs, they are billionaires. They are multi-billionaires. The, um, the turnover of Google or something is more than the whole of Africa put together. So how do you sit down with these people and negotiate terms? It will still boils down to the fact that we still have to accept their terms. And when we accept, the, and that is what has been affecting um, um, the Nigerian government. Because we cannot sit down boldly 
with these people on the table and talk to them. Is it the people that we are owing? Nigeria is having over uh, uh, trillions of dollars debt now that we don't even know. And Nigeria is still collecting the uh, debt every, every day, every month, every time. Before you know it now, Nigeria is getting under loan from one of these organizations. And these organizations that we are getting loans from, they will come to this country again because they are IOCs. And they will tell you that they want to negotiate terms to, uh, in terms of our oil and gas. How do we want to make, how do we want to make a, 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 how do we want to have a, a good bargaining strategy with them? It will, still boil, it will still boil down to the fact that they will still be the one to have their way. At the detriment of who? Of the citizens of the country. And what would that cause? That will still take us back again to the starting point. Of what? Of taking up arms. Of these people forming themselves into militias. The first thing the government should do is to empower the citizen and to take us out of poverty. If the government can work towards poverty, um, poverty um, alleviation, if I'm right, poverty alleviation, like what China did in the uh, 1970s, that China had a 100 years plan to take over 50% of our population out of poverty. The interesting story is this, in 2020, China recorded 100, 100 million, no, I think 100, 100, I think 100 million Chinese were among uh, world billionaires. I think 100 million Chinese. I think 100, is it 100 Chinese or 100 million Chinese? I can't remember. But a large percentage of Chinese people, they were among the richest people in the world. That they even, it was even on CNN that the, uh, I think they have a prime minister there. What's the head of, what's the head of the Chinese government? Yeah. It's the prime minister. It's the prime minister, right. The uh, Chinese government, they had to recognize those people that have really fought in terms of taking the Chinese people out of poverty. And you can see that even in our own surrounding, we will see Chinese people doing all these contract works or, or something. It is because the government is empowering them. Do you understand? So when you have your money, nobody will push you around. So if government can do these aspects, you will discover that even those people taking up arms, they won't be interested in taking up those arms anymore. And the people that are willing to sell those arms to them, since there are no reasons for them to use the arms, why would they buy them? That is one. Number two, neocolonialism. You would discover that Africans were not really, were not, were not really independent. If you will agree with me. If you come right from Nigeria to Ghana to Senegal, you discover one way or the other, we still have something tied with the apron spring, uh, with the apron of our colonial masters. They still dictate terms to us. And because of that, there are things that they will tell us to do and that we will do them. We've, we've gotten our independence. This is Africa. 
If you've read Watarudni, How Europe Underdeveloped Africa, it was never in the design of these European powers to see Africa progressing. If there is chaos, one, one, one way of underdeveloping people is to put, put chaos among them. Let them be fighting. It is where there is peace, that's where you will see development. If there is insecurity, if there is infighting, if there is rancor, there will, there will never be development in that place. And that is what these uh, uh, colonialists, that's what they wanted. Because if we develop, that means we develop more than them. Because if you look at it, by the year 2050, Nigeria will be one of the most populous countries in the world, maybe after China. And what does that mean? It means that we have more people, we have more what? economic power. Because by the time you are producing a pure water of five naira, and you are selling that pure water of five naira to, let's say, 500 million people. If you sell it for five naira to 500 million people, how much would you be making? 25 million. 25, 25 million. Yeah, compared to aging European population. Because if you look at it now, European population, they, they are not really giving birth the way we are giving birth in Africa. So it means that there's population surge in Africa. And you see that they are trying to tap into this. For instance, the headquarter of uh, Google, is it, no, Twitter, is now in Ghana. Yes. Then I think Google too has its headquarter, maybe in Ghana or Nigeria. I can't remember. It means that they understand all these factors that, oh, there is, there's going to be a population surge in Africa. So they are really, they are quickly keying into that population surge. So if we are fighting, we won't be able to see that aspect. But they, they have more, they have a stable society. So they can see what is happening in Africa. So by the time they are bringing out new products, the, tar the target is where? Is Africa. So if we can Number one, if we, can, if we can do away with this colonialist and try to develop our own system of whereby we can see ourselves as humans, not as people with competing interests, then half of the problem would have been solved. Number three, we have weak legal frameworks. What do I mean by weak legal frameworks? There are frameworks to curb uh, crimes on the ISIS, crimes on our territorial waters. But most of these frameworks, they were not domesticated, even in Nigeria. And why did you not domesticate them? Because of corruption. Because by the time you domesticate this thing, it means that light weapons will not be able to come into the country. And the person that wants to sign the bill is interested in uh, maybe Earthmen disrupting some parts, disrupting the country so that their own interests will be advanced. So if you can work on these uh, weak legal frameworks, you will discover that this issue of insecurity will be solved. Another problem is this synergy with our neighboring countries. If we, we've said that on this floor before. If we can um, form synergy with our neighboring countries, for instance, um, um, countries along the Gulf of Guinea, 
you know we share territorial waters because any problem that is happening to us is likely happening going to affect them too so we can go to their own country and look at what they have there that how are you people coping with this thing there if we see that it makes sense to us then we can form ourselves that okay the six of us let us ratify let us uh, uh, let us make this thing a document for all of us to follow which will have a legal force and then by the time we make it a document then all of us can domesticate it then we know that if anything happens along this axis this is the punishment for it that makes a lot of sense that is at that is at the sub-regional level now let us go to the regional level we have uh, west africa then we have central africa too the battle with the issue of uh, maritime insecurity too in the central african region but they are more advanced why can't we form a synergy between us here and central africa so because of their own advancement so we can merge it instead of seeing ourselves as west africa central africa we should merge it as one and have a common front against insecurity then we can have at the global level that is when the united nations will come in to serve as uh how do i call it a global police to monitor the issue of insecurity so i think all of these things if we put if and again there's one thing again the political will there must be political will on the side of the government of nigeria we should be willing to stop this thing these weapons are passing through the IC. They are not falling down from heaven. We have marine police. We have security patrols on the IC. Uh, I think three days ago, I think um, Nigerian Port Authority and the Masa, they set up a particular security outlet on the IC now. It's, it's good that they've set up a security outlet on the IC. What about the effectiveness of the security outlet? If there's no... If there's no willingness, if there is no true political force, if there is no um, sincerity, this thing will still be like all the ones we've always had. So that's my advice. Okay, so we've just had Mr. Ibrahim touch upon the final part of the topic. Anybody wants to ask, ask any questions on today's topic, please? You, you mentioned um, a part about Nigeria sharing territorial waters with the Guinea, that's a country, and Benin. Then you mentioned that the militias, that is the Nigeria Delta militants, that there are some instances whereby those countries also supply them with weapons. So I would like to know what do those two countries, for instance, stand to gain by supplying, uh, supplying um, our marginalized people with weapons? Uh, arms and them destroying maybe the oil blows. What do they stand to gain? Okay. Um, you know, there's something they call in international relations, there's something they call military industrial complex. What is military industrial complex? It means that when there is no war, those people that are making weapons, where would they sell those weapons to? So if there is no war, everybody's at peace, how would they be eating? So it is in their own best interest that you people are fighting in your country. Do you understand? So that is the concept of military industrial complex. 
And again, don't forget that all these neighboring countries too, they have territorial issues. They have, you know, some of the ethnic groups, they are in other countries too. Like Yorubas, some are in Benin Republic. Aousas are in Sudan. Aousas are in uh, Mali. So by the time their brother is having issue in Nigeria, they are still seeing themselves as one. So they will still work together with them. So, like, it's a cluster. The thing is clustered. Everything enters each other. And they, again, they want to sell too. They are into that business. They have weapons. Maybe the ones that they want to discard or something. Do you know there are black markets for weapons too? So you go there. Maybe the weapon is supposed to be for 15 naira. They will tell you I will give you for 20 naira. You get, and it's cheaper there. So you go there, you buy. Owing to the fact, again, that before colonial times, you guys were brothers. You guys are the same, we are from the same stock. So that's what they stand to get. Any, okay. In addition to what he said, um, the militants, they also seize um, crude oil. So they can also exchange the oil for weapons from neighboring countries. So they stand a lot, they gain a lot, a whole lot. Okay, so another, should I say maybe like an observation or contribution? Because I've been, okay, there was something I followed the issue of uh, in the um, carrying of narcotic drugs through the air. And I knew that because all over the world there was a time that I think countries met together to combat that issue. Whereby, um, like several countries, in fact, that Asian countries even started the death penalty. Um, routes just to curb this issue of um, carrying drugs through air. Just make sure that people do not try it. So um, I think the let's say the aviation sector rather has been trying a lot over the years to try to reduce the passage of drugs through that route, and they have been trying because nowadays now people are now looking towards the sea to do that because um, like it has now been tightened against them. So I feel like can't. Um, the maritime sector, yes, that is the shipping sector, rather, borrow a leaf from the aviation sector. Now they're able to curb um, a little, because I know it's still going on, not really totally. Because, but it is not really, really bad in, on the sea that if you want to transfer any... I add that cocaine is even transferred majorly now through the sea. They don't really use um, the... Because now they have been... Um, like, at a point, like, I think... That's why, at the same thing, I said at the point that the Asian countries even um, enacted the death penalty sentence to just to show people that they are really against this thing. Like, how can the shipping sector borrow relief from the aviation sector, or now they can't prevent the passage of drugs through the sea? Well, according to what I said earlier, I said the sea is a gray area. Like, from history, from time immemorial, Governments usually do not have their grasp on their territorial waters. Let me, let me say something interesting. Do you know that even governments of countries, they find it hard to know their boundaries on the territorial waters? You can just say 300 and something nautical miles or something. You just be saying it's a book. By the time you get to the sea, Gogon, you now come and measure where 300 and something nautical miles is. You understand what I'm saying? And, you know, for you to just stand... Um, offshore, uh, offshore and be looking at what's happening onshore. You can't really understand what is going on there. 
the more you look, the less you see. There are some people that, and because of this, the nature of the sea, they can perpetrate any act. You will tell people not to do something on offshore, I mean on shore. They will go and they will go to the sea. They will go and do it there. Radio stations will be banned offshore. Uh, offshore. They will go. To, they will go on shore. They will go and establish it, like a radio Kudirat, like Biafra, Biafra. This Biafra radio. So, like a lot of people, they even take the sea out of the jurisdiction of countries. Like they can do anything there. So you can see the dynamism of how the, how the maritime sector works. In fact, to solve any problem in any country, go to the sea. Once the sea is porous, the country is in trouble. So you will discover that even develop, most developed nations, it's because they, they've, they've taken care of their sea. Once you take care of the sea, the land is okay. Look at United Kingdom. They call them what? The naval powers. No country has ever invaded them before. Why? Because they have one of the strongest naval military in the world. If we can take leave from countries like United Kingdom, and that will be from that will be that will come from where? From the political will of the leaders. So if we can have a strong naval uh, workforce, and that will come from where again? Sincerity. From the government. Because even government officials that are willing to transport narcotics or to import light weapons into the country, are they the ones that want to safeguard the, uh, the, the uh, territorial waters? So everything boils down to sincerity and willingness. So I think the, best, the solution is willingness on the part of the government. No matter the security outlets we create, no matter the name we call them, if there is no sincerity and political will to do it, nothing is going to happen. We will still keep on going back to the drawing table. We will still keep on going back to the starting point. So it will not be like an endless circle, like we'll just be moving. We won't, we won't have a destination. So. Um, I just, just an observation. Okay. You, mentioned, oh, sorry. you mentioned at a point about um, some countries not even being able to measure their sea level. This yeah, and that. Is, is this still of recent? Yes, now. I like, feel that. You know, the advent of technology, the, the advent of technology has really been able to solve this problem to a point. But then, it has solved this problem in advanced countries, not in developing countries like ours. You, it will shock you that those technologies that they use in measuring ter territorial boundaries, they will still be giving you conflicting results. Mm -hmm. I wanted to say something, sorry. I thought that maybe there should be like, I, I, I'm just curious that maybe there should be people who do that. I feel that that's part of the reason why they, we have the na uh, National Maritime University. Is it national? Yeah. Is it national? World Maritime Investor. Okay. World, sorry, I mean World Maritime Investor. Because in there's a maritime investing in Nigeria. I mean, why? Because this is something about the international part. Yeah. Like maybe I they mean, should start training more people on how to do this. Like isn't that a vacuum? That is something that should be looked into. That should be looked 
Yeah, I, I think um, the effort on the part of the, nas- uh, the national government too, by the creation of the uh, Nigerian Maritime University too, is a welcome development because it means that issues like this can be solved. So, but we still have more to do. And mm. also, I'm, I'm just, this is just me asking a question, like, aren't the naval authorities educated enough? Our naval, our naval, are they not educated enough? Like, sometimes some of this, I've seen a Navy before, he cannot speak correct English. So I feel that maybe there's also like a deficiency in education perhaps because I feel like the education is not only about going to school. Education is a lot. It's about you being, it changes your mind, it changes your way of thinking, it changes everything. So I feel that maybe if they really look towards that part as well about our, how a person can become a, a Navy in Nigeria, I'm just asking that do you think it is something as well that like maybe we start laying more emphasis on who can be a, a navy a, a navy personnel that maybe we, then maybe we have to solve our issue of maybe that education part on teaching them maybe integrity or some other stuff as well i'm just asking a question that do you think something like that also matters the education part aspect rather well to me i don't think the the maybe english parts matters no, 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 english or something I'm, I'm talking about the okay see you don't get I, me i think you should talk more about the training Hey, it's still the same thing. Training is education as well, right? Yes, but maybe you thought maybe at the English. Because let's look at Let me give you an instance. Like in the army personnel, we have army personnel that are all those that are very, very wild. I will use the word wild, that they behave not like someone that has even passed through the four walls of a school. And the way those, those are the kind of people that beat people on the streets now. You, you get what I'm saying? You have to say uh, an army because they feel like they have that kind of power. But when you see an educated person, Emphasis on uneducated um, army personnel. The way he behaves is different. So what I'm saying is that, uh, uh, don't you think that is something as well? Well, what I think is that, I think uh, the, the level of trainings and uh, they should be, uh, how do I call it now? They should, be, they should raise the bar. And there should be integrity in the mode of selection of people. Because by the time you select someone based on nepotism, tribalism, or favoritism, you will discover that by you will be putting square pegs in round holes. So the thing will not fit, and at the long run, it should end up affecting the country. So that's just my that's honest opinion. But I also that I'm just hammering on this. There are still some people that have integrity in Nigeria. Okay. They still have their integrity intact. In Even young people that are still coming up, but I might not know, that if they train them on this kind of thing, they still have their... Like I'm saying that there are still some people that still have their integrity intact in Nigeria. So we shouldn't think that it's a lost cause. That no, why should Navy authorities be taught on that? Is a lie? Everybody's corrupt. I'm not corrupt. I'm speaking for myself. I'm not. Co- so I'm saying that I have integrity. <laughs> so I'm just saying that, that there are some, people, some people can still be brought up right. So they should still look on that part of training people towards that aspect. Any other question of the mission? Any questions? Any questions? In my own humble submission, in respect to solving the problem of corruption, I once said on uh, my status that when we want to solve the problem of corruption, although we all know that corruption now is something that has eaten deep into 
um, the system or into the body of the whole of Nigeria because there is no way you want to say that you are not corrupt. In one way or the other, you are actually corrupt. <laughs> so, <laughs> so if you want to if you want to if you want to solve the problem of Nigeria, uh, the problem of corruption, rather, we start from training our mind. Now, the second one is the government can also actually intervene in this. This billboard can serve as a way of or ameliorating the level of corruption in Nigeria. Whereby, on this billboard, the Mount Humble submission, I don't know about, maybe it is actually reasonable or not, that on, this, on the billboard, there should be a quote or something in respect to contentment. When every person, or when each person in Nigeria is actually content, um, how can I put Contented. Con contented. Um, contented. contented in... When anything the person actually have, then the person won't want to go for something that will know that okay, this thing, this thing is not actually good. We should be able to know how to control our greatness. Now, through that, I, I believe that corruption can actually be ameliorated in Nigeria. Thank you so much. Well, I would just like to say that, yeah, your submission is a little bit flawed, in my opinion. Because someone said, I read something last week, and I like that because I'm taking it out till I die. That contentment means that you've never seen, um, you've never seen something better. That is it. Like, if you are a poor person, okay, maybe you went to school, and you've done everything that a normal Nigerian is supposed to do, this and that, and you're an upright individual. And you now see, okay, let me use our profession. Thank you very much. You are saying that you won't take this kind of cases, you won't do this, you won't do that. And at a point, you see another person who has cut corners, who is actually doing better than you. Or maybe in a point about you, okay, I, I told, I was having a discussion with someone, my brother actually, he was shouting. I said, see, the working person is a bricklayer. We don't get paid by how much we work. You get. So I told him that. So if you feel that you, maybe you are cheated as a Nigerian, you know, we, are, we, are, we all feel we are cheated now because even when we go for different, we see it every, every time. Ordinary just to go for a Lagos State Scholarship interview. I will queue up. Then some people that know some people will just, they'll just push them. This was my own, that was my last three years. So how would you be contented as a Nigerian when you see this thing that is going on? You can't be. Contentment should only be preached when the government has done what they're supposed to do and everything is orderly and everything is right. If not, there's nothing that can be, nobody can be contented. I am not contented enough. Yes, of course now, because I am not, I'm not being taught in the right conditions. Yes, because the government is not doing enough. So how can I be contented with what I have? You get. So it's just like saying that, oh, at least. At least your school still has uh, chairs. So my school does not have chairs. And that is, you, you get my point? Like, you have try, we are trying to um, normalize mediocrity. Okay. I feel that, you are right in what you said, but I feel that when this country is not, it's not, it's not stable, it's not, the, it's not even a, a blueprint um, country that we can say, we can preach contentment. So that's what I'm trying to say that. Contentment and can only... Back to, to the government, insecurity. insecurity too. Because by the time somebody is feeling marginalized, yeah. what happens? And they are thinking that this thing belongs to me. Someone else is enjoying it. So am I going to sit down and fold my hands? No, people will not do that. Although it's not as if we are trying to support what we, they are doing. Nobody is supporting it. But, we are but like, from the government, government, government should do something for them. Problem. Because it's a problem. Otherwise, let them shout the issue of X-Men from now to next year. It will not stop. This security will not stop.
kidnapping will not stop. And as a matter of fact, I think um, when uh, um, these kidnappers, when they kidnap girls at uh, that uh, school, Chibok. no, not Chibok, this one recently. What's the name? Is no, not Greenfield, that's secondary school. Um, what's the name of that secondary school now? That Gumi went to. Yes. Went as a. Yes. The, the school has a particular name now. That Gumi went there to negotiate with them. Um, do you know what uh, people were saying? They said Gumi went there to give them money. Gumi gave them money. So, did that stop them from doing another one like a few days later? No, did it stop them from doing that? And after that time, how many cases of kidnapping have we recorded? See, pay them from now till 30 years' time. See, as a matter of fact, if government fails to address this issue, we've just started. In the last five years, there was, we, we used to hear of kidnapping, but it was not like on the national level. But now it's more like a national something. It's more like a state-sponsored something. It's more because at some point, they were even, um, I think, so I think when they wanted to, they said, how could Gumi go there to negotiate with them? And the Nigerian military said they could not recognize the hideout of those kidnappers. What did Lai Mohammed say? Lai Mohammed said they did not want to disrupt the ecosystem. Where's the ecosystem? It's crazy. It means that even government knows what is happening. Uh, Gulag Jonathan said what? He said there are Boko Haram, in, uh, there are uh, government officials among Boko Harams. Gulag Jonathan said that 2014. It means that this thing, and why would Lai Mohammed say that if they, if they try to find their idols, that it would disrupt the ecosystem? Your knowledge of biology, what is the ecosystem? No, let's begin to think from this angle. It means that there's a structural problem. And the structural problem needs to be addressed. Forget it that we should put security outlets everywhere. Put security outlets everywhere. If the structural problem is not solved, we have just started. And the best thing for us to do is what? To leave this country. I'm telling you. Because once there's a structural problem, what do you do? You want to get your own security outfit. I'll be, I'll be, how do I call it? Your private security. That, that will be securing only you. So when you go to market, the security will still follow you there. It's crazy. Did you hear the audio of this Greenfield, this thing, that the man was speaking to? They were negotiating people like 5 million per one person to 10 million. So he said he would remove 1 million from um, each of the children so that he would collect last price is 8 million. That, that one said that is a Muslim. He said, no, 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 you should forget it. That religion is different from uh, business. That this one is business. That before tomorrow, by tomorrow evening, no, if they do not produce the money, that they should consider them dead. It is not something that is funny. It is a structural problem that needs a, a national dialogue, that needs government officials to sit down and talk sense into themselves. You cannot move. See, my uncle was telling me about my law school now, that where do I wish to do my law school? 
I said, hey, maybe they'll take me to I said, Abu Jake. You better stay in Lagos. Because the, the, the truth now is that you cannot go from Lagos to Abuja without your family being uh, worried. Because by the time um, um, HOC and Ridwan and some, when they were going for a particular trip or something, they met this headman on, on the road now. And they shot at their boss. Wallahi. They shot at their boss. In the middle of the night, as a matter of fact, Nigeria is no longer safe. As of 2014, I was in Abuja. 2014. This is 2020. Going from Ojo to Ikorodu. At night, I'm always scared. Ojo to Ikorodu in Lagos, inside Lagos. So walking on your street at night, you'll be scared. When I was much younger, we used to go out around, around 8. Then we come back by 10. We go to a particular school by 10. This was when? 2005, 2004. Now, if you go out at 8 o'clock, you will not see anybody on the streets. Anything that you need to buy, you would have bought it before 6 or 7. By 7, everybody's already leaving. Because once it's dark, you won't see anybody on the road again. It's that bad. And we want, to, and we want a working economy, a, a, an economy that works 24 hours. See, develop, developed countries, they don't sleep. They work 24 hours. How can we achieve that when there is no security? So I'll work 24 hours when my life is not secured. That somebody will come and boggle my shop. No. That is what, in fact, that is even affecting. And you will discover that there's inflation in the country as we speak. All of these things, they have their own effects. So it's a a problem for us. The government needs to address it. Thank you. We have come to the end of the podcast. Thanks for listening to the Maritime Law Club Lasso Discussion Podcast. Join us on our next podcast. And before then, do follow us here on Spotify and on our other social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Maritime Law Club Lasso. Thank you.